Alright, let's start with a little introduction. I'll say um, it's pretty amazing how God has worked this out, and I did not expect to be up here. I've only been here a few months, but I didn't expect to be up here this soon, and uh, I'm just blessed, blessed to be here. I want to say that uh, a lot of the stuff I'll be uh, preaching on tonight is, is borrowed material, but I think that's it's amazing how God works because it's, it's totally, totally spirit-led, and uh, I'm just excited. Um, I was listening to a message by Joel Stockstill last, uh, not not two days ago, but last Monday before that. Just like so evident in my heart that this is something I had to share with y'all. And I didn't know how. I talked to Eric that night. He's like, go ahead. And so we, we talked about it for about a minute. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. You'll see how, how, how this is so cool because uh, it worked together really well. But uh, what I do want to say is that uh, something the Lord has been working in my heart in the last few months since, um, since I got here and, and uh, from the church in Port Lavaca, uh, Pastor Nathan's church, is just just the, the importance of prayer. And uh, it's so hard because we're so busy. But um, especially I think this is, a, this is really appropriate for tonight because the focus of Wednesday nights is to equip, I mean, especially for Wednesday nights, is to equip ministers. And, uh, you know, that's not, that's not just talking about the, the handful of guys that come up here and preach. That's talking about every single one of us. Is it not? Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. Every single one of us is a minister. So I want to share this and keep that in mind when, when I'm reading this. It's a, it's a passage from a book called Why Revival Tarries. And it's the first chapter. It's, a, it's an amazing book by Leonard Ravenhill. You'll hear Pastor Eric mention Leonard Ravenhill every now and then. But it's, it's really neat. Um, it's called, With All Thy Getting, Get Unction. Does everybody know what unction means? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm a cognizant of my, uh, my younger, younger people. It means power. It means power in the spirit. So it says, The offense of prayer is that it is not essentially tied to mental efficiency. That is not to say that, is, that prayer is a partner of mental sloth. In these days, efficiency is at a premium. Prayer is conditioned by one thing alone, and that is spirituality. One does not need to be spiritual to preach. That is, to make and deliver sermons of homiletical perfection and exegetical, exegetical exactitude. By a combination of memory, knowledge, ambition, personality, plus well-lined bookshelves, self-confidence, and a sense of having arrived, brother, the pulpit is yours almost anywhere these days. Preaching of this type mention affects men. Prayer affects God. Preaching affects time. Prayer affects eternity. The pulpit can be a shop window to display our talents. The closet speaks death to display. The tragedy of this late hour is that we have too many dead men in the pulpits giving out too many dead sermons to too many dead people. Oh, the horror of it. This is the strange thing that I have seen under the sun. Even in the fundamentalist circle, it is preaching without unction. What is unction? I hardly know. But I know what it is not. Or at least I know when, when it is not upon my own soul. Preaching without unction kills instead of giving life. The unctionless preacher is a saver of death unto death. The word does not live unless the unction is upon the preacher. Preacher, with all thy getting, get unction. Brethren, we could well manage to be half as intellectual of the modern pseudo kind if we were twice as spiritual. Preaching is a spiritual business. A sermon born in the head reaches the head. A sermon born in the heart reaches the heart. Under God, a spiritual preacher will produce spiritually minded people. Unction is not a gentle dove beating her wings against the bars outside of the preacher's soul. Rather, must she be pursued and won. Unction cannot be learned, only earned by prayer. 
Unction is God's knighthood for the soldier preacher who has wrestled in prayer and gained the victory. Victory is not won in the pulpit by fire of intellectual bullets or wisecracks, but in the prayer closet. It is won or lost before the preacher's foot enters the pulpit. Unction is like dynamite. Unction comes not by the medium of the bishop's hands, neither does it mildew when the preacher is cast into prison. Unction will pierce and percolate. It will sweeten and soften. When the hammer of logic and the fire of human zeal fail to open the stony heart, unction will succeed. What a fever a church building there is just now. Yet without unctionized preacher, these altars will never see anxious penitence. Suppose that we saw fishing boats with the latest in radar equipment and fishing gear launched month after month and put out to sea only to return without a catch. What excuse would we take for this barrenness? Yet thousands of churches see empty altars week after week and year after year and cover this sterile situation by misapplying the scripture. My word shall not return unto me void. Incidentally, this seems to be one of the few very texts that, that dispensationalists forget to tell us what it was written to the Jews. The ugly fact is that altar fires are either out or burning very low. The prayer meeting is dead or dying. By our attitude to prayer, we tell God that what was begun in the spirit, we can finish in the flesh. What church ever asks is candidating of, of it. What church ever asks its ministers what time they spend in prayer? Yet ministers who do not spend two hours a day in prayer are, worth, are not worth a dime a dozen, degrees or no degrees. Away with this palsy power of this preaching, which is unmoving because it was born in a tomb instead of a womb, and nourished in a fireless, prayerless soul. We may preach and perish, but we cannot pray and perish. If God called us to the ministry, then, dear brethren, I contend that we should get unctionized. With all I get and get unction, lest barren altars be the badge of unctionless intellectualism. I've already prayed several times, but that, that definitely calls us to pray some more. Huh? Zeke, would you pray for us again, please? Father, we counted a blessing to be able to come into your presence and hear directly from you. Lord, may tonight your words flow through as Jacob. Lord, which is might and power. Lord, that our hearts might be forever changed. Lord, teach us concerning prayer, Lord. Lord, not, not that it's a, any kind of methodology or anything to it, Lord, but just communication and intimacy with you. Lord, teach us to be intimate with you and show us, Lord, and give us a burning desire in our heart, Lord, a fire that burns in our bones, just to be with you, Lord. Nothing more, nothing less, Father. May we praise your heart. Father, as, as we dig into your word tonight and as we seek to hear from heaven, Lord, we just ask that every distraction would be removed. We pray that you would just slice open our hearts and allow us to hear a message, Lord, that will leave us forever changed, Lord. Never to go back to where we were before we came into this building this night, but forever changed, drawn closer to your heart, therefore geared up and equipped to be revivalist, Lord. May we go out and infect this entire land with your love, showing them your love and your grace and your mercy that rescued us from darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to us tonight, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
The message tonight is entitled Revealing Holiness. It is July 13, 2011. Um, it's, like I said, it's pretty amazing how God worked this out. Judah, will you come on up? Um, like I said, uh, Lord gave me this message, and, and apparently he was working some other things in Pastor, Pastor Eric's life because um, it's the same passage as what he preached on Sunday. It's Exodus 3. So, uh, you know, we go and read that. Read through uh, the first sentence of verse 12. Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law and the priest of Midian, and left the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord's, Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am. You're not coming any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is on the ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, and the Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way of the Egyptians and oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Yeah, I was, I was a little, uh, a little nervous when Pastor Eric busted out uh, Exodus 3 on Sunday. I was like, oh no, he stole my message. <laughs> it's really amazing because there was very little overlap. It's like, I'm preaching almost a totally different thing in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, there's just very little, I mean, he was going a totally different direction. And uh, I'm just I'm just amazed at that because I've never, I've never seen that much depth in this particular passage for sure. This is one of those ones you learn in BBS. And, and you kind of just take for granted the rest of your life. And a lot of Christians, you know, they don't they don't see a lot of depth in this. But I hope tonight we can get deeper. Um, you know, I know that holiness is a, is a common subject in this church. It's a, and it's because it's so powerful, and it's what this um, what the church now day, in this day and age needs the most. We need um, we need holy people to carry out God's God's instruction, His commands. And so it's really, um, I mean, we can't preach it enough, but I want, I, want to, I want you to know that my personal goal tonight is uh, not just to preach about holiness, but to teach about how, how, can, we, how can we teach others about holiness? How can we uh, reveal holiness and bring it to the forefront? Because that, that is what we need to do. You know, I've been in church a long time, but um, I can remember even not much more longer than a year ago. You guys, who knows Justin Treister in here? Who's met Justin Treister? Um, he's, a, he's, he's gone to Africa just a couple days ago. He's, he's from the church in Puelavaca. 
and he's a young guy, you know, 20, 20 years old. And I just remember just a little over a year ago, you know, working in as a youth director in the Methodist Church, and we, you know, me and him went out to witness one night, and just his buddies, you know, and we were talking, and we would gotten some arguments, and, and he was he was preaching holiness to me, telling me how how important it is, and, and how you know how ridiculous uh, some of the church things that, that are going on is, uh, like you know, uh, not too far down the street from us, right here, you know, uh, in, the, in the huge churches and whatnot. And I was just I was just I was just arguing with him. I, I didn't I didn't want to give up that that the ninety percent of the church was is, is missing the point, you know. And I didn't want to give that up. I didn't I you know I had been raised I've been walking in this too long to give that up. And and um, but the thing was he didn't know how to really bring it home with me. He just kept you know kept getting our voices higher and higher. You know he didn't really know how to uh, uh, you know to speak to me uh, in, in love, but also use the word. The power to, to bring that home to me, and also just you know God was working that in my life, you know, and, and He had to bring me to certain places of humility to, to fully see that too, um, which is similar to what He had to do with Moses. Okay, um, I remember my personal experience again going back six six years ago when I was at six seven years ago when I was at Rice here in Houston um, as a student. We had, a, we had a powerful fellowship. It was really neat. It was something I was proud to be a part of. Campus Crusade for Christ. You know, we were we were we were um, we worshipped and we prayed and we and we um, and we did Bible study. We did all that. We prayed a lot, and that was one of the big movements for our for our um, for our fellowship. Is that we, we we began among all the other fellowships in 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 the body at Rice. We began a twenty four hour seven prayer uh, movement, trying to you know. Uh, make it at least once a semester where we would set apart, set up 24 hours and sign up and, and, and go and go uh, and go to a certain room and, and, and just pray for the salvation of the lost of the rise. Pray that the wickedness would stop and all this. And, and I remember it was powerful. It was really neat. It was the Holy Spirit led. But at the same time, uh, I remember there was one man, who, one guy who stood up and he preached. He said, he, or he prophesied, he said that if you guys, if you guys will just. Uh, you know, for the next few weeks before, there was this huge party at Rice every year. It's, it's, it's total debauchery, total wickedness. You know, very little clothes, just really gross. And um, and he and he, and he was very sincere. I remember him prophesying that that if you will if you will seek the Lord with all your heart and pray and and, and come out. And, you know, I forget what the specifics were, but we were supposed to pray in the mornings and meet together and walk around the, the middle of the campus and just seek God with all our hearts and, and pray that He would end this. This this terrible this terrible thing um, it's called nod it's like night of night of decadence um, that, that that party would would be would stop somehow and we believed it we really believed it but I also remember that uh, in my personal life that there was nobody uh, preaching holiness to me nobody teaching me what it meant and, uh, and I was not walking out holiness I was believing God for great things and I was praying and praying and praying but yet living a totally different life. On my other, on the other parts of my time, you know, and, and not trusting God in that. And so, I mean, you know, what right did we have to be disappointed when, when that party was not canceled? When, you know, and, and we were a lot of us were disappointed. We were disheartened, but um, we were missing some of the points. And so, uh, tonight I just want to teach about uh, about this passage and how it relates to holiness. Um, again, this message is. Uh, Joel Stockstill and, and, and Bethany, a great preacher, but uh, he, he teaches. Uh, there's three elements here in this passage, and I, I want to discuss. Let's begin by talking about the first one. 
First one is the bush. Pastor Eric talked about the bush on, on uh, the, the bush on fire and how it had it uh, seemed that you know it had an endless source of fuel. Um, you know, it didn't it didn't need it didn't need the bush as fuel. It didn't it didn't consume the bush. Uh, well, what else what else could the bush represent? Can anybody give me an idea? What else? Um, God coming down and 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 coming to to Moses. In, in the bush. What else could the bush represent? What else power. is the power? Okay. Um, think power. about the whole the whole Bible, the New Testament. Like, what about what does the bush represent? What is the bush like? Or what, what what is the bush? It's a tree, right? So it's a form of a tree, right? So the bush bush can represent the cross. Okay. So think about that. The bush represents um, you know the, the medium through which holiness comes, which is the cross. And um, holiness, I mean, plain and simple, holiness begins at the cross, begins at the tree. Um, I wish I could preach that more strongly. I wish I could just yell it like a, like a you know, I wish I could just get, get in people's faces. You know, and, and I, I actually thought about doing this, like having people stand up and just seeing who could, who could preach it the strongest. You know, holiness begins at the cross! You know, it's so, it's so pivotal. That is, that is so important. You know, we have to have that. And it's, it's neat to see that in the Old Testament. It seems to see that, um, you know, I never saw it before. Um, you know, many Christians try to try to remove the cross from holiness, or they try to move it out of the way. They try to substitute it for other things. Uh, you know, I have a, my good friend Thomas, um, he's kind of like, um, you know, he's kind of like my Matt to Pastor Eric. You know, we, we go back, way back, way back, and, and we, were, we were pretty much born together, born again together, and, and experienced the Word, and, and Enjoy together, but then we kind of separated. But it's kind of sad how, how separated we have become. You know, we're still really good friends, but uh, we're not on the same page spiritually at all in a lot of ways. You know, just a couple weeks ago, we were having an argument about holiness, about um, how important it is, especially for people in the ministry, especially people who are um, laying hands on other people or praying for, you know, or, or, you know, how important it is to have holiness, not to be a hypocrite. And one of the things he brought up was just, just, just broke my heart was that. You know, well, everybody's got sin. Everybody, you know, even even your pastor, because he doesn't know Pastor Eric yet. I mean, and, and I know Pastor Eric has sin. <laughs> um, you know, uh, even your pastor has sin. You don't know what's really in his heart. You don't know these things. And I can, okay, I'll give him that. But then he went on to say, you know, I, I even met this guy that, that you know, he's not, not a Christian at all. He just lives a very devout lifestyle. He just lives, you know, just very clean. He's cleaner than most Christians I know. And, you know, yeah, that's true. But he's missing the total point, which is what I, what I was just screaming just a minute ago. Holiness begins at the cross. You Amen. cannot have holiness without the cross. So, I mean, there's just no way around it. And we have to be convinced of that in our minds and our hearts. Um, I don't know how long ago. It was about a, about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago. Tiger Woods got into that big scandal. And uh, he came out a few weeks after that, you know. He said that, uh, yeah, I figured out why why I messed up so bad. It's because I've forsaken my Buddhist roots. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. And I want to tell, I want to, I want to say, you almost got that right. It's because you have those Buddhist roots. <laughs> you need to, you need to uproot those Buddhist roots. You need to plant the incorruptible seed of Christ. You need to take that prideful, sinful flesh and crucify it on the cross. And that's where you can begin. Because the truth is you can teach discipline to the mind, 
But you cannot sanctify, you cannot circumcise the heart without going to the cross first. And it was like that, um, it was like that for Moses. Uh, the cross first, true, true holiness. Moses was, in the, you know, in the desert, or he was, he was, um, we, we talked about him going to Ahar. He came to, what was the definition of Ahar? Anybody remember? It was a very far. It was very far. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, else, what else did we say about Ahar on Sunday morning? Anybody? A barren mountain. Barren, okay. That was Horeb, barren, barren mountain. And then Ahar, what else can Ahar mean? At the very what? At the edge of the end of everything. Okay, he said at the end of your journey. Anybody remember your end of your rope? Yeah, that's what kind of. So um, there's not a whole lot of text here to, to give us a real good picture of what Moses was going through, but he was at the end of his rope. That's uh, what what we can take from that. Um, you know, he had been 40 years, and uh, after he had um, been had left Egypt with everything he knew. Uh, you know, and he was going somewhere to find something, and, and um, you know, he was he was broken. There's no other there's no other way to say it. he was broken. He was uh, uh, Joel Joel Soxel says he was at the the backside hotel, backside. Uh, you know, he was, he was out there, and and, and that's it's verified in the scripture. God rejects the proud, but He gives grace, grace to the humble. Because um, so so this is another good example. Uh, the second element of this passage, verse two, read that. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush, was, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Um, is it not uh, that we should be attracted to those who are on fire with the Spirit of God? Yeah. Should, shouldn't we be attracted to those? Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, we're, we're taught that and, and we believe that. Um, it's a very hard thing to do because sometimes you feel like, you know, I'm not that attracted. I'm not... I'm not Drawing people, I'm not drawing the lost like I really want to, and, and that's our goal. That's what we're what we're aiming for. We want to we want to draw the lost in and get them to a full relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus said that He would baptize us in fire, so we are supposed to have this fire. Now, another frustrating thing for me is you see uh, on um, uh, uh, the only place I get my news now is Yahoo. I guess you see these stories, uh, you know, about celebrities and and. And the world is, uh, American Idol, great example. America, the world is so drawn to these people. They seem, these people seem like they're on fire. They're drawn to them. Um, but the, the, the difference is that their fire is a, is a consuming fire, and it's going to eat them up. Their fires uh, are fueled by lust, by greed, by pride, by uh, a whole host of other things. And so my question to you is, what is your fuel? What is your fuel? And, and, and that should be an obvious answer. What is our fuel? You can tell me. Close to it. There you go. And that's, that's perfect. Um, I was so blessed uh, a few weeks ago um, at the end of a, a marriage counseling session with uh, Matt and Cassidy. We, we, I just had some questions with Matt. And uh, he reminded me of a few things, especially one critical thing that I, you know, I knew but I wasn't practicing. And that's the uh, daily bread principle. You know, that, that, that the Israelites had to go out every day and collect what they needed for that day. They could not rely on what they needed the day before. They had to get a fresh word, will you, uh, if you'll let me go there, a fresh word, something fresh to eat every day. Um, if not, they missed out. Or if they tried to get too much, it would rot. And it would rot and, and just become disgusting. And, and that's, I mean, obviously, 
I don't think, I mean, you, you never get too much word, but if you're not getting a fresh word daily, what good is it, you know? Um, and, and just like uh, Terry said, uh, it fuels the Holy Spirit like with the ten virgins. And um, some of them, five of them, uh, you know, they were they kept their lamps trimmed, and they, they kept them full of oil. And uh, we need to do that. We need to be full of oil every day with the Holy Spirit. Now, um, I realize that that uh, you know, but I get I got it more at Port Lavaca. They used to make fun of me because I was the Methodist youth director, and and and, and Luke used to say, "What are you doing over there? You know, it's, it's a half to, you know half dead church at best." And um, and he used to tease me all the time, and I I, I knew in my heart of hearts he was right, and I definitely know him now. Uh, I spent two and a half years there trying to you know spin my wheels, trying to get something done. And, and, not getting very far and usually just sinking lower. But um, I did I did take away a few things from the from the Methodist Church. And, and mainly that's uh, from the founder, John Wesley. Mm-hmm. John Wesley was a powerful man and, and I hope you guys take note of him in your in your lives or take a chance to read some of his stuff. Um, one of the things he said that that, that sticks with me is that uh, uh, people asked him how do you do it? How do you preach so fiercely? He would preach anywhere. He was excommunicating from all the churches. You know, just like today, he was put out. There was one story. Let me, let me share another story before I get into the, the quote I'm going to share. I just heard this the other day. I, he couldn't preach in his home church. He was excommunicating. So he went and he preached on his own private property. The only place he could preach, which was on, which was on his father's grave. Um, he preached with power. You know, that, was his, that, 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 that actually, actually belonged to him. But he said, when asked how he did it, he says, you know, it's very simple. I just, I light myself on fire every single day. And people come from miles away to watch me burn. (laughs) (laughs) The bottom line, the world is not interested in religion, in telethons, in begathons, men wearing fancy suits, or women with pink hair. They're not interested in that. <laughs> just like, just like Moses had seen, you know, I'm sure in 40 years he must have seen other bushes on fire. He probably saw a lightning strike and, and, and a bush catching on fire or something. I'm sure he saw in 40 years you're going to see that, especially in a dry, arid place. But uh, you know, the world has seen our flanks, flakes and scandals, and they need to see something real, something that's burning within you. Uh, eternal fuel. The last element I want to talk about is the ground. Um, let's see, verse, let's read that. So, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, verse 3, while the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are. Where you are standing is holy ground. So the ground was holy where God was, and um, it was like a it was like a circumference around him, and 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 that's what happens when you have the cross coming together with with the Holy Spirit fire. It affects everything around you. It, it creates a, a, a circumference where people can feel it. People can, I mean, you know, they're going to know. They're going to know without words. You're not going to have to preach. They're going to know um, by your lifestyle. But um, God said to Moses, you, you must remove your sandals. And sandals is, is what I want to focus on for a second. What do the sandals represent? Um, 
think about it, sales go everywhere with you. Um, they were, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I don't know how many pairs of sandals he went through in those 40 years, probably not many though. Um, but they went everywhere with him. They might have been even the same pair for all we know. Um, you know, because God said they never wore out. That was later, but you know, maybe. I don't know. Let's see. Um, but they represent your past. They represent the ugly things in your past and the things that you have done. Because they were there as witnesses. They saw those things. They, um, you know, they were there. You, you took them with you. And so... God had them take them off. They also act as insulation between you and the holiness of God. They represent that. So your past represents an insulation between you and God, and you have to get rid of that. They even represented Moses' murder. They represent. They could represent, um, you know, it says later that um, he did not circumcise his kids. That gives us a, a hint that maybe he wasn't living up to the, the fullness of uh, what it meant to be Jewish and, and, his, and, and his calling, his heritage. Um, so Whatever, whatever, um, you know, they, they, they represented the bad things in his life. Um, see, we know that God says, I love you. I want to fellowship with you. But he also says you must get rid of your past to do that. You must come into my presence. You must be willing to give it all up and get rid of your past. Um, one reason some do not get saved is because of their past. They love their past. They love the sin that they were in. You've got to be real careful. If you hear somebody talking about uh, and, and relishing the sin of their past, the things that they used to do, you've got to be really careful and stay away from those. I think Proverbs, I didn't have a chance to look this up, but I'm pretty sure Proverbs calls that, that person a fool. You know, if you're, if, or at least it, um, yeah, it lacks wisdom for sure. Um, you know, God says to us, you cannot be who you were and be who I've called you to be. You cannot stand in B.C. and A.D. at the same time. You cannot do it. It's just impossible. At the cross, we must remove our sandals. Nothing from our past will squeeze through the narrow gate of the cross. We can't bring anything with us, anything from our past. We have to give it all up, and we have to trust God um, in every way. Verse 5. Let's see what, what happened. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God your father, and the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face before because he was afraid to look at God. What did God what happened when God's when God when he when he did remove the sandals? What, what happened when God told him to do this? And he assumed he took them off. So um, what happened? Did you got what, what? What happens next? God spoke to him. God spoke to him. But what did what did he say? What is that? Um... He told her he's standing on holy ground. That, um, he realized that he was. Yeah. Okay. He realized. Uh, well, he told him that before he took off the sandals. Then he then he said in verse six, "I am the God of your father and the God of Abraham and the God of." So he revealed himself to Moses. Before that, you know, maybe Moses wasn't exactly sure what this was. But this is when once he took off his sandals, he laid down his past, that was when um, that was when he got the full revelation of who God was and who he was talking to. And then he hid his face. That's, that's a good hint there. He hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Um, when we remove our sandals, we get great insight into who God is and real fellowship. Uh, the world cannot get this stuff. People who are not willing to remove their sandals cannot get this insight. 
Um, God is always going to be at arm's length. He's going to be distant. And uh, a good example of this would be today to take Oprah. Oprah, you know, she she believes she's a, a follower, of, you know, uh, of the way or whatever. I'm not sure exactly what, but I know that she has rejected God. And she said that um, at one point in her life, she was in church, and uh, she heard that she heard that God was a, was jealous of her. Is what she heard. She heard that God was jealous of her, and she said, "I don't want to serve a God who's jealous of me." And uh, she told him this, and she was deceived. And uh, I think it's probably because she wasn't willing to give up her past. She wasn't willing to let go and really be open, and really, uh, she wasn't broken. Uh, but you know. She, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's so hard for me. I mean, how can you miss that? I mean, how can you think that God would be jealous of a man? But um, she was deceived. And I trust me, I know I've been deceived. I mean, I'm not picking on just her. I've been deceived. And uh, just like that song said, we've been deceived too long. It's time to, it's time to move on. It's time to, time to take back what the, what the devil has stolen. But when the sandals are on, the deception comes more easily. My final point in this message tonight is that holy holiness reveals God's heart for the lost. And this is something, this is about the only part where Pastor Eric's message kind of overlapped with mine. And it's kind of funny how it worked again, too. Uh, you know, he talked about uh, talked about how, how few people, how few of the missionaries go um, to dangerous places like the Muslim world. He said only 2% um, go into the Muslim world out of, out of all the missionaries. I, I thought that was funny, too, because my stat says that only 2% of American Christians share their faith on a, on a regular basis, or on, even on a non-regular basis. So, uh, I mean, that means that we're talking about 2% of 2% that actually are missionaries, probably, or less than that. And, and that, that number makes sense to me. I mean, we're about 310 million, whatever it is. I mean, that's about how many missionaries we're sending now, and, and you know, only 2% of, of 310 million are sharing their faith on a regular basis. And, I think uh, part of that is that they haven't gotten um, God's heart for the lost, like in this passage. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of the slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. I think uh, when, when, when Judah was reading that, I just got a picture of all the slaves out there, of uh, the the. They don't even know it. They don't even know they're being lorded over by, by debt. Yeah. Debt is a slave driver. Yeah. Um, all, the, all, the other, all the other kinds, lust, greed, I mean, all that, they're all slave drivers, but debt's a huge one in our country. And uh, a lot of people are enslaved to debt. And, uh, it's just so sad just to think of um, how many people are, don't even know it. They don't even know that they're, they're enslaved. How many Christians don't even know it, that they're enslaved? Um, another thing that... that uh, that enslaves us is our occupation, uh, occupation, occupy, our our focus, our our our, our intensity. We're, we're on on things like movies and TV. Preoccupation. There you go. <laughs> Before the occupation. Uh, I have I have written here. We are so consumed with movies and TVs and other things that we miss it. We miss the whole thing. It's funny that we're consumed again. Gives you the imagery of fire. Fire consumes, and uh, those things are consuming our lives if we let them. And, you know, I'm guilty as all. I, I, I had to give up watching a, a show a few weeks ago that was pretty harmless. It's not didn't have any 
I mean, anything, I mean, I think most of you guys would, would, would be fine with watching it. But I just had to give it up because it was consuming. It was starting, it was starting to take over my mind, and I was starting to think about it almost more than, you know, probably even more than the word during the day. So I just had to give it up, and it's hard because I really liked that. It was a long series, and I only got a little bit into it, but I was really enjoying it. But um, yeah. <laughs> Praise God, praise God. I mean, uh, it was hard to give up, but it, and I'm just blessed. And, and here I am with this opportunity. It's awesome. God's looking for sacrifice, brother. Yeah, good There you go, there you go. Okay. Um, the whole situation with uh, with Moses, you know, and this is another thing Pastor Eric touched on, God does not do anything without a man or woman. He does not, you know, he, he relies on people, and if the people... He calls somebody and they don't do it. He goes to the next person. But um, this also reminds me of Isaiah. Let's go ahead and turn there. Isaiah 6. When you're there. wants to read it for me? Who wants to read through verse? It's just, we got time. I'm going kind of fast. So let's go ahead and read. Let's go ahead and read the whole thing. Who wants to read it for me? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I, I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The one of, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand. When he had taken it with it the tongs of the altar, with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Understand. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous. Make their eyes dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, O Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant. Until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged. Until the Lord has sent everyone far away, and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tent remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terabinum and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Okay, here's the money question. What... Uh, what had to happen before Isaiah 
was sent. Before he asked to go, before he was sent. Which means what? Which represents what? He was made, he was sanctified. He was made holy. So um, that's 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 the key I wanted you to get out of there. That, that we have to be holy before we're going to be sent. Before we're going to reach the nations. Go ahead and turn since we're, since we're on Isaiah. Isaiah, go ahead and turn over to Isaiah 35, verse 8. There. And everybody's there. Justin, will you read that? Stand up and read it loud. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. Nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. Okay, you can stop there. Highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. I want you guys to, you don't have to close your eyes, but picture a highway. It's not that hard. You live in Houston. <laughs> picture just the one side, you know, just one side, and then we're going one direction. Uh, I think about, when I, when I think of this, I think of uh, saying holiness is a highway. It's not a destination. You're never going to arrive. You're never going to arrive at a destination in holiness. You're going to be on that until you, until this life passes away, and we receive our res- resurrected bodies. You know, they will, they will reach holiness. I think of a, a story that's familiar to us all: it's the tortoise and the hare. They were on a race, and they. You know, think of, uh, let's just for for, um, for illustration's sake, let's just say they were on a highway or on, on one single road. Okay, uh, and what do the tort- what, what do the tortoise do? Stayed on it, right? Stay focused. He was slow, but he stayed focused. And he won the race. What did the hare do? Sped ahead. Sped ahead, but what else is, what else did he do? Okay, so what did he have to do to take a break? Get off the road. Stop. Yeah, but he also had to get off the highway, right? He probably had to, he went over to a tree or whatever and, and you know, took a nap, okay? So he got off the highway. And uh, we can't do that as Christians. We have to be, we have to stay on the highway. Uh, the bottom line is, if you ain't holy, you ain't his. <laughs> so don't be deceived. Scripture says, do not be deceived. If, if you're in sin, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, especially the sins that they list. But, I mean, it's, it doesn't play around. Um, the best part about this, though, about holiness, is that holiness forces a reaction in the lo- in the lost. <laughs> What about right here? Okay, one of the most powerful things is that it forces a reaction in the loss. They don't know what to do with it. You don't have to tell someone they are near a fire. They can feel it, right? Okay? And it will either draw them in, fire if they're cold. If they know they're cold, it'll draw them in. Or like, like Scripture says, because of their sin, they hide in the darkness. You know, they, they, they don't go towards the light. You know, so it'll push them away uh, because they're not willing to give up their sin. Also with the highway uh, imagery, um, you're never going to see people going two different directions on a highway. Uh, you know, you're either on one side or the other. If you're on the wrong side of the highway going the wrong direction, you're in trouble. And there's going to be friction. So therefore, there's going to be friction with us and non-believers. They're going the wrong direction. And those who are living unholy lifestyles, not just non-believers, but people who call themselves Christians. And who, uh, you know, just like with me and Justin, there's friction. 
he was he was going one way and I was backsliding the other way. So, and there is no backsliding on a highway, right? You're going to get run over. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be in a lot more. Even, this is much trouble. Okay. So there is no backsliding. There's no uh, there's no carnal there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. Either one way or the other. I want to leave you with uh, two practical ways you can walk out holiness. Just like with the goal that we want to want to teach holiness. Come on, honey, honey bunny. You grab those uh, those papers. This is a uh, start passing. Just just hand just hand like a pile to each each side, and, uh, and you know take one and pass it along. Or yeah, you can do it every one. There's there's about how many people we got? We got we got about enough. For, I think we got enough for everybody. Uh, maybe if like you're married, you might want to share one that way. Make sure everybody gets one. Uh, let's just make sure everybody gets one for the most part. Right by your hand. Ta -da. Okay. Pretty much everybody get one of these. a very humble guy, but, but these questions that he wrote, uh, he was living in a very decadent time, and much like we are now, a very decadent, very sensual time, and um, he started a, a thing called the Holy Club, something that uh, a lot of us might think is funny right now, you know, but that's that's what they did, because they, they, they wanted to be known as holy, and they wanted to be set apart, and they wanted to be so extreme um, in, in how they lived in order to overcome the decadence of their society. And I, and I propose to you that we should be the same way. We should be that extreme. And of course, I know a lot of you know that, but, um, yeah, we should, we should be that, it should be that evident. Um, these self-examination questions are awesome, and it's something that's helped me a lot just uh, in the last week, just to think about it. something that, I think uh, a lot of these questions we, we uh, have been taught in this church and, and how, to, how, to, how to be aware of, but it's so good to just have them on a piece of paper. I made sure to laminate them because I want you to post them somewhere and see them for a while or, or, so they don't you know, get folded up and put away somewhere where they're not going to be seen for a long time. That never happens. <laughs> never, yeah. Uh, number one, am I honest in all my acts and words or do I exaggerate? Uh, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Do I confidentially pass on onto another what was told to me in confidence? Am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? I know Pastor preaches on that a lot about dress and, and, and habits and, and things that we cannot be a slave to those things. Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? That's a great question to ask yourself every day. Did I, did I give it time to speak to me every, every day? Did you give it time? 
am I enjoying prayer? That's a tough one for me. I mean, that's hard. Just, uh, you know, I, it's just sometimes I just seem so, um, just so so easily distracted, and, 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 and I don't enjoy it like I should. It's very convicting. So I'm getting there. When did I last speak to someone about my faith? Do I pray about the money I spend? It's a real good one, especially what we were talking about earlier with debt and everything. Do I get in bed, get to bed on time, and get up on time? I think that's a typical question for a lot of us. Do I disobey God in anything? Do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? That's a real good one. That's um, something we've got to be very careful about. You know, we tend to, to push through things like Balaam did. You know, we tend to, to because you know, we tend to say, no, that's not for me. Um, that's not something God would have me do. But then, well, but let me pray about it. Let me go. Um, let me go. Let me go. Ask God. Make sure it's not for me. And then you know what happened with Balaam. If you don't, you need to go read that story because, because God gave him what he wanted eventually. But then he got, then he experienced uh, the wrath of God because of it. Um, that's happened in my life many times. Let's see. Am I defeated in any part of my life? Again, that's a, that's a, Pastor Eric says that a lot or preaches on that. Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? How do I spend my spare time? Am I proud? Do I thank God as I as I thank God I am not like other people, especially the Pharisee who despised the publican? Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, or hold resentment toward, or disregard? If so, what am I going to do about it? Do I grumble or complain constantly? That's another really hard one. That's that's uh, Philippians two, I believe fourteen. It says, uh, "Do not argue, and do not um, do not complain." And and the end result of that is, if you learn if you learn how to not do that, then we're going to shine like stars in the heaven. You know, that, that that's what that allows us to do. If we can get over those things, especially in the workplace, it's hard to do. Is Christ real to me? So I hope you take those questions seriously. Um, something applicable that you can go home and, and, and put on your fridge or do whatever you know to practice out. The last thing I want to share with you, and, and um, this is something that means a lot to me, is, 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 is in order to be holy, you have to be really able able to and willing to listen to God. You have to be willing to hear His voice. Um, and it's something that you know, I fought with so long, I was just trying to, try it, you know, thinking that I just prayed more, I could hear more, but you know, I, I wasn't being obedient. I wasn't being obedient with the things he gave me. And so um, I, uh, I took a, came across a song by Michael Card. It was kind of like an old Gregorian hymn. It was, you know, he, was just, he was just chanting, you know. It was really pretty, but it says, Why won't you listen? And um, the song uh, just spoke to me a lot, and uh, I kind of took it and put it to a guitar, guitar medley. So I'd like to share that with you. It's called Why Won't You Listen to me?
on listening to God, and I'm in a transition in my life, I'm, I'm going to start in my own business, but uh, I want to encourage you guys, I know there's uh, a few of you out there that are, that are looking for work, especially, be, have your ear open and be listening, and don't go anywhere unless you know for sure it's the Lord leading, don't go because the salary's nice, don't go because, you know, the job's nice, it's what you always wanted to do, okay, that's, that's key. You look for a bush that's on fire, but not being consumed, and then you know it's the Lord's will. <laughs> y'all feel like y'all know Jacob a little bit better? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We've known Jacob for quite some time. He's been here for about three months or so. But uh, I think since our early days of going to Mexico, uh, we met him on quite a few of those mission trips. And uh, it looks like over a course of time, the Lord has blessed us with uh, his, his, he and his wife's presence. Uh, among us. So y'all blessed tonight? Yeah. Yes. Amen, amen. Uh, one correlation I, I was thinking about whenever he was preaching is that whenever you have man's fire, it consumes. Whenever you do something that's birthed out of the flesh, it will rob what what is in or is the life that's within that substance. So you make a decision, you step out and try and do something on your own strength, you begin to see that it's robbing of life and God's presence is not in it. Uh, it will determine to nothing but a pile of ashes. 
But you guys know from last Sunday that God is able to take those ashes, take your past, take things that you may do in the present, and turn them into something beautiful. And I want to encourage you guys, whenever you all preach on Wednesday night, uh, no one man owns the Bible. No one man, one, no one man owns messages that come from it. You're, what you're sharing is your interaction and uh, uh, relationship with God's Word. And that's the way that you preach. So, we all put blessed by Him. Yeah. Amen. Relationship with yeah. him. Amen. Amen. And let's pray and close tonight. You guys could stand on your feet. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of times uh, what you experience as an individual, what's going on in your life, uh, Zeke, I mean, probably the next 12 years we're going to say that's over and over again. It's not about you. I love that message. That's actually incredible. And the thing that, that Jacob was bringing up tonight is that God will bring us to that place where it is empty. It is devoid of everything you can put your own trust in and bring it to that place where you can finally not be distracted and pay attention to what God is truly trying to call you and tell you what to do. So these little distractions that come up during the day, you guys might have had some today, or you may have them tomorrow, whatever it is. Take a step back. Try not to be totally consumed that, that you're being robbed or your time is being depleted or these little things are, are taking stuff out of your bank account. Step back and ask the Lord, what are you trying to speak? Where is your voice in the middle of this fight? Because, Lord, I know that if I put my trust in you, what I have will not be consumed. And what I do not need will be. Amen? Amen. JJ, pray for the Lord. we thank you for your word. Living and breathing and it's active, God. God, it's a sword, God, that cuts in, God, it cuts coming out, God, it separates, God, light from darkness, God, it gives us that direction, God, we thank you that word today. God, I pray that it would be active in us, God, with that passion that would move us to follow your will completely, God, wherever it takes us, God, whatever direction, God, that we would follow your plow, we would follow your fire, God, we would move as you move us, God, and only when you move us, God, you are our provider, our protector, God, and we walk in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a blessed week, God.